Thank you for downloading the sermon podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. Enjoy the message. Genesis chapter 12 today. Oh, we got to get that thing on there, don't we? <laughs> Bubble gum. We totally rock. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's not my favorite one. There we go. All right, you guys are very patient. How do we get rid of that? Okay. All right, so we are in Genesis 12. We made our way through the genealogies, and uh, and here we are. Now remember, Genesis chapter 11 is tracing the genealogy, well, the second portion of it, Let me go back even further than that. Genesis chapter 10, we are looking at the descendants of Noah, and his sons are Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Then again, you look at 10-2, and it gives you one of those those kids, the sons of Japheth. Verse 6, the sons of Ham. And then verse 21, the sons of Shem. And it kind of reverses the order of things than how it appears that they were born. Um, because Shem is the clan that we're going to follow, or the people we're going to follow, really, for the rest of the Bible. Um, So if you go over to chapter 11, looking in verse 10, it gets even more specific, and it gives us the names of these folks and the ages of these folks. So it says, these are the generations of Shem. And uh, you recall the slide that we threw up there the other day. We're able to figure out, along with what Genesis 5 informed us of, we can go all the way to Abram, really, with with accuracy, we can go all the way to Terah, uh, who died in the 2083rd year, or roughly right around there. Uh, And then, as we learned in verse 26 of chapter 11, um, the statement is a little vague. It says, when Terah had lived 70 years, he fathered those three boys. So we know that by the time Terah was seven, Abram was born. So at the latest, Abram was born around the year 1948, circa 1948, obviously not 50 years ago. Mm-hmm. We're talking about from the dawn of time. Alrighty, so um, that is that. Um, now, we finished up chapter 11, but I do want to go back and I want to look at verse 31 of chapter 11. Um, before we jump into chapter 12. So let me read that, 31 and 32, not just 31. It says, Now Terah took Abram his son, and Lot, the son of Haran, his grandson, and Sarai, his daughter-in-law, his son Abram's wife, and they went forth together from Ur of the Chaldeans to go into the land of Canaan. But when they came to Haran, they settled there. Alrighty, so... um, Many of us, perhaps, in this room were familiar with chapter 12. Chapter 12 is the call of Abram. Um, Abram, his name will be changed later on to Abraham. Is it up there? No. Uh, Not that call. Um, But it it appears from this that either, that Terah was also called, um, or perhaps was called prior to Abram. It seems to imply that, because it says, Terah took Abram his son, Um, Yet, if you look at chapter 12, verse 1, it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred to the place that I will show you. That seems to be Abraham, or Abram, is the one being called. So, is this a contradiction in the scripture? Okay, good. It's a good starting point. No, obviously it's not, so then what's going on? So what are some possible explanations for what appears to be this saying one thing, that saying something slightly different? It looks like maybe Terah took his family and moved. Not that he wasn't necessarily called, he just took his family and left? Yeah. Okay. No calling, just moving. Mm-hmm. Okay, <laughs> good. <laughs> You're fun. All right. <laughs> he didn't make it all the way over, right? You said he stopped at the top. Oh. Yeah, um, let me see if I have that slide. So, if you look at this particular slide here, Ur is down in the bottom corner of the slide. <laughs> Um, Haran, which is where they're going to end up, we'll read a little bit later, that's sort of up the top here. Um, and then all of that area, I need a pointer, all that white area there, kind of in the middle. That could be your Hannah. You could be, be my who? Vanna. Yeah. My Vanna White. <laughs> all of that white area is, no, no, down, down. Yeah, all that. That's sort of, draw a circle there. 
Yeah, that's all. <laughs> that's uh, deserty type of land. So, uh, look good in the evening gowns. Just this march that they're taking. No comment. This march that they're taking is another, uh, or they're they're following the route of the Fertile Crescent. Alrighty, so um, that we know he only goes about halfway there. Okay, so Jay says maybe he was just moving. No call. God didn't show up or anything. Just moving. That's possible. What else? There's some more. Acts 7 2. Acts 7 2. What's this say, big fella? <laughs> or little fella? <laughs> now. I'm trying. I'm trying. Yeah, you've been doing great. It says, Brothers and fathers, hear me that the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he was in Mesopotamia before he lived in Haran and said to him, Go out from your land and from your kindred and go into the <coughs> land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans and lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. So what does that say to you? That says to me that he was called prior to that, but mm. he didn't completely fulfill. He being? Abram. That Abram was the one called? Yes. Okay. So what's this idea, though, about... Did everybody understand that, by the way? We all didn't look at it, so you just kind of heard John and... Okay. Um, what's this idea, though, that Terah took Abram in chapter 11? How does that all fit in? Well, it could be a deferral because he's the oldest. Yeah. Even though Abram was going, it's kind of like the extended family's coming along, but they say Terah took his mm -hmm. just to be, you know, give respect to the elder. Good. Okay. All right. Any other uh, possibilities? So we have this. We have Terah just moved. No big deal. Nothing spiritual involved. That's Jay's hypothesis. We have Abram got the call, but sort of deferred to his dad in honor. And it was his dad, if you will, that led them out. Okay. And then the other one is that Abram got the call and led them out. Kind of goes with that one as well. Partial obedience. Well, how so? Uh, he started to move. Okay. Don't All right. <laughs> Very good. All right. Maybe, maybe it wasn't obedience at all. What? Uh, what do you say that for? Well, maybe his dad was just like, you know, you got this call. And the the question I have is, is, was Abram supposed to take anybody with him? Right. Because the implication you read along is, is that, Get out of there. especially when you're yeah. dealing with a lot, and you get the yeah, feeling that he wasn't supposed to bring anybody with him except. Yeah. All right, so that's that. All right, well, chapter 12, verse 1 says this. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And then he goes, And we know that he was called back in Ur. So 12.1 seems to pick up that he's in Haran. We didn't, haven't even read this. We're jumping ahead, John. All right, But 12.1 is when he's in Haran and he's going out. Okay, But Acts 7, Stephen's giving that uh, sermon and in Acts 7 he says that Abram got the call while he was in Ur, which is back in chapter 11, verse 31. Um, doesn't say Abram there. It talks just about that they all left Ur. Here, but apparently he got the call while he was there, and they went forth from there. So, John is now, it seems like, asking the question, should Abram even have brought his dad along, respect, whatever it may be, because he's told in 12.1, leave your father's house, leave your kindred, which is also a lot, by the way. Yeah. I was just going to say, sometimes when God has something special for you, he's got to get you away from that which is inferior. His family were idolatrous. Yeah. They yes, they were. And God knew that would be a hindrance to him for all that he had for him. So that's why he said, Get me out of thy country from thy kindred and from thy father's house. <laughs> okay. So he, had to get, he had to get him away from them you know, because of what he wanted to bless him you know, with. Yeah. He had to be clean. Right. All right. So then, what are you suggesting that he shouldn't have brought his dad along? And was partially obedient. He went, but not I fully he went. Did exactly the way God told him to do it. That makes sense. <laughs> All right. Now you brought up a point. Um, if you would turn in your Bibles, please, to Joshua, to your right. Obviously, we're in the first book. 
Joshua 24. It's the last chapter of the book, so it's right before Judges. If you happen to come across that, you've gone a little too far. And Joshua chapter 24, verse 2, gives us a little bit of a background about these two men. Um, Really, all of them. And it says this. It says, And Joshua said to all the people, Thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, Long ago your fathers lived beyond the Euphrates. Terah, the father of Abraham and of Nahor, remember that's his brother, and they served other gods. So we know that Abraham and Terah and Nahor and all the rest of them, that they were polytheist. Um, and yet God spoke into their lives. He called. Did he call Terah? I don't know. Um, if Terah was somehow involved in it or if it was just Abram, obviously the Acts passage seems to imply that, it, or it makes it very clear that Abram got the call down in Ur as well. Did his father, did Abraham convince his dad, come on, dad, this will be good and you should go. One way or another, Terah sort of started the journey in the walk. It, it kind of reminds me of folks that, you know, they, they start coming to church, maybe they go to some Bible studies, they're connecting with some people and... You know, they sort of look like they're in the club, you know, kind of thing. Um, but then at some point in time, they, they kind of turn back. Or, you know, yeah, or, you know, I tried that, you know, just didn't take, you know, or something like that. But we say this, you know, uh, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't have a lot of hope. I don't have a lot of hope, and I should, but I don't, for like the polytheist. So if somebody comes to me and says, you know, I'm a hardcore polytheist, there's a part of me that's like, they're never going to get saved. You know, I mean, they're a hardcore polytheist. I mean, not a lot of people <laughs> profess polytheism these days, or at least, you know, they don't espouse it. But, you know, they, it's almost like there's, you, you see certain folks, and you're like, yeah, they're so far away. They're never going to come to the Lord or whatever. Well, here's God just entering in to Abram's life and saving the guy mm-hmm. uh, and brings him out. So for me, I just jotted down a reminder to myself that nobody is outside the hope. Mm-hmm. Of salvation, and we see that example here um, with these guys. All right, now let's finish up chapter eleven. It says in verse thirty-two. Now the days of Terah were two hundred and five years, and Terah died in Haran. Now, I typically read it this way: that they're they're in Ur, God puts a call, they start the journey, they get about halfway there, Terah gets sick, Terah dies, Abraham. Gets the second call, if you will. He makes his way the rest of the way. However, you know, I like to play around with numbers and stuff. I was looking at some numbers here, and it's this one. So was Ur Ur the Chaldeans all down the bottom? Yeah, I believe it was. There's another Ur, too, though. Um, (laughs) Also, there's another Ur, also. But this is what we know, okay? So let's... Break this down here for us. Uh, at most, Terah was 70 years old when Abram was born. Right? He was probably a little bit younger, but we'll just say he was 70 years old. Okay, We know from chapter 12, verse 1, that, I think it is. No, it's 11, right? 32. No, uh, no, hold on. We know that when Abraham was... 75, that's 12-4, he got that call, okay? So if his dad was 70 when he was born, at the most he could be how old? 145, 145, right? And from this passage, verse 32, chapter 11, he dies at 205, which means there's a 60-year gap in his life. So he didn't get to Haran and die and not be able to go any further. He stopped there in Haran. Uh, and I think that is telling. It's interesting. The word Haran means? Anybody know what it means? It means settled. You know, And in some respects, you can look at in some respects, you can kind of look at Tara's life and say, here's a guy that sort of got God's call and settled for less than what God really wanted for him. And I think a lot of Christians live their lives that way. Um, Sorry. That's all right. <laughs> and uh, and so I just think it's sad because, you know, I think God wants us to go forward. I think he wants 
uh, everything that he has for us, all those sorts of phrases that you hear here, here. But oftentimes what happens is we just sort of get so far and we maybe we say to ourselves something like, you know what, the journey's too hard, I don't want to go on any further, or I'm comfortable here, I've obeyed the call more than those people back there, so I'm a little further along than all of them, so I'm content uh, to stay here. Or, we said this phrase earlier, we say, you know what, I want to go back to the way I was before. Now, it does say this, though. If, now let's turn to, to Acts. Our friend John quoted it, but I want to show you something about Acts. Acts 7, I'm sorry. I think it's there. Right in the beginning. Brothers and sisters, God of glory appeared to our father Abraham. This is verse uh, 2 now. When he was in Mesopotamia, before he lived in Haran, and he said to him, Go out from your land, from your kindred, and go to the land that I will show you. Then he went out from the land of the Chaldeans, and he lived in Haran. And after his father died, God removed him from there into this land in which you are now living. Mm-hmm. What's the problem with that? But his father died at 205. Yeah. That would mean that Abraham was almost dead before he left Haran. And went to but we know that's not true, right? We know it's not true. Right. So why do we know it's not true? Because it says he was seventy-five. Okay, I'm just making sure that he would have been plus sixty, hundred and thirty-five when he left Haran if he waited till his father died. Correct, but it, he wasn't though. He wasn't. Okay, so we got a problem in our Bibles. Maybe Stephen, you know, didn't have his notes in front of him when he was preaching, and he just sort of. Threw out a date and he was a little off. Could that be it? Ruth? Could no. <laughs> Very good, Ruth. Well, there's obviously well, there's one option is that the Bible's wrong. I don't believe that. Um, so that's not the one I'm gonna go with. Um, I, I think the best thing that we can say is or suggest is that the death that we're talking about is a spiritual death. And that um, Terah went back to his old ways, if you will, and he went back to worshiping and serving the false gods again. And so he died, if you will, and Abram went on. Um, it's the best I got for you. I know somebody like, ah, I don't know about that one. We know it's not the first, so. Well, I was going to say, if you're not, if the, even not looking at that verse, the numbers that you that you put up there mm-hmm. would mean that Abraham had to have left his father in Haran for him to die there at 205. Okay, so, when he went, uh, so the wording is... They all got there, they hung around, and then Abram took Lot and his wife, and they went. And they left, and, and he left, left his dad to die. Yeah. Okay, um, that might be interesting to see how it's wording. It, what it, it says in my English version, and after his father died, God removed him from the land. But maybe it's worded... Or no, yeah, I was backing up, not, to, not, not looking at the Acts text, but okay. I guess that kind of would fit in. You look at the, if you look at the Genesis text first and the numbers, and then you go to Acts, you say, "Well, how, how can it be? There's only there's only one thing: spiritual death, okay, or some spirit, yeah, separation. You're dead to me." Right, right. I hear what you're saying. <laughs> uh huh. Okay, so you can dig a little more on that. There, there, there's a, I actually have a note. Yeah, what do you got, good buddy? It says, a simple way to resolve the chronological difficulty is to suppose that Stephen was following an alternative text represented today in the Samaritan Pentateuch? Pentateuch, okay. okay. Which says that Terah died at the age of 145. Well, there you go. That'll solve the problem. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Take it for what it's worth. There you go. All right, so let's talk about Terah. Assuming he either got the call himself or he tagged along with Abram, he came to the place where he said, you know what, this is far enough, I'm content here. I wonder in your life, oh boy, here we go. I wonder if in your life you can look at areas of your life, maybe in the past, and you can give us a good testimony, or perhaps in the present, and you probably don't want to talk about it, um, but at least you can think about it. 
I wonder if there are areas in your life that perhaps you've settled and said, you know what, I was on a journey, but I'm just going to rest here for a little while. And that little while is going on to be years. Would anybody like to talk about that? <laughs> you mean like complacency? Okay. I mean, I think there's a lot of different options for that. I, I, I did. It didn't stick for me the first time around. Like, I think that I got. I think I got saved, but I don't. I think that I got. I sort of drifted back into the world, and then like, you know, and then when I. When God knew I was ready, that's when I got serious. But I think that, and I I know that whatever God's been doing for the last four years is because if He didn't do what He was doing, it wouldn't be pressing me to the place. Like I would still be doing whatever I was doing. Mm -hmm. I wasn't in enough pain to be where mm -hmm. He wanted me to be. So sometimes I think when we get complacent, that's you know we get the nudge, we get the trial, or mm -hmm. we get the whatever he needs to get us to press in. To press in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Now, when was that first time in your life you were despairing? Um, it was 2004. I, I, About 10 years ago. Yeah. I yeah. remember you. I know. I know. And the Lord I, has done a very good work. Thank you. Yeah, Robin okay. was pregnant with Hopi. Oh, my gosh. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And I just was like, I didn't really know what to do, you know, I just didn't, I, I just didn't, it didn't stick. Like, I wasn't getting it, and it didn't stick, and I, but, you know, I don't want to get into the whole thing. I got you. Okay. But, but, you know, it, There's an example. Then. Yeah. All right, good. Example. Anybody else want to share anything? All right, now, 12.1. Uh, I don't think we actually read this. We talked around it, but it says, Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country, your kindred, and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation, and I'll bless you, and I'll make your name great so that you will be a blessing. And I will bless those that bless you, and him who dishonors you, I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Now, one commentator I read said that the call back in Ur, that Abram was 50 years old. We know here that he was 75 years old. Um, I don't know how he came up with 50 um, I've looked everywhere I could to figure it out. I even tried to call the guy on the phone and how'd you come up with 50? But, I, uh, but anyway, um, I don't know if that, so I don't, I don't know where the number comes from, but that's a long time, 25 years, if indeed that is the case. Uh, people refer to that little period of time, whether it was 25 years or five years, as the wasted years of Abraham's walk. Um, because God had put a call, he was moving forward, but then he stopped, and with his dad and uh, others, he just sort of settled there. So that you have these years, maybe as much as 25 years, without progress, and how sad that is. And I, mm -hmm. I think in, in our lives, life goes fast, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, I know. Mm -hmm. You know, and you look back and you're like, you know, I just wasted another year of my life. Not, not in the, but just in the sense of, have I really been purposing in my walk to grow and to step out in faith and to keep moving forward um, you know and we look back and we're like wow I, there's one guy in our church who uh, he for whatever reason he started attending a church um, when he was younger in his faith and went to that church for seven years um, and something was going on toward the end of it never quite felt like this is the place for me or whatever and toward the end of it he decided to leave and ended up in a place where they were teaching verse by verse through the Bible. This other church wasn't doing that. And what he says is, he said, you know what? He said, I, I feel like I wasted seven years of my spiritual growth because we never dug into the word. We never went deeper than cute platitudes and things like that. And he said, I feel like I've wasted seven years of my life. And so... You know, you can't get those years back, but you can move forward and say, all right, Lord, I learned a lesson. It took me seven years to learn it. And now he's digging in, and he's, he's making up for time. I, I know there's another lady at church. She got saved when she was about 50, I believe it was, maybe 55, if I remember. And she's, she would come to every Bible study we had. And she was not here tonight, but she would come to Wednesday night. She'd, come to, she'd go to a home fellowship. She'd do the ladies thing. She'd go to everything. And, she, and I was like, you're doing a lot. 
And she said, well, I got saved at 55. I got a lot of catching up to do, you know, this sort of thing. And so I appreciate that. Don't waste your years. Don't waste your months. Don't waste your weeks. Greg, I have a note here, too. Yes, my friend. About that, a different perspective. Uh-huh. It says, uh, God's will may come in stages, mm-hmm. just as in the time in Haran was a transition period for Abram. So God may give us transition periods and times of waiting to help us depend on him and trust his timing. If we patiently do his will during the transition times, we will be better prepared to serve him as we should when he calls. Yeah. Slightly different uh, take, right? He doesn't settle very much after this, though. No, you're right. (laughs) So what are you saying? But he's not that old, actually. I did the math. Because he lives to 175. So 75 years. Okay, he's a middle-aged person. He's Okay, not a middle-aged. He's he's lived (laughs) 42.3% of his life. (laughs) And compared to the average American male today, that would put him around the age of 33 years old. He's in the prime of his life. But anyway, <laughs> but anyway, but it isn't also, you know, let's let's say that let's say that this this death of Terah at two five was whatever it was. So is it five years that he ended up staying in Haran then? Possibly. We don't know. Is that what you're saying? Five to twenty five years. That's what you're saying. I'm just well, that's what that guy said that he was fifty. Okay, so but yeah. you're saying the low end five, high end twenty five. But I have nothing to support that. Right. But you got to also, I mean, I'm not saying this is a justification for not obeying, but you got to obey the, he had a cultural thing too, right? Um, I don't know. Dad, he, you know. Yeah, I mean, yes, there was a cultural thing, but. Aren't we? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying it could explain why mm-hmm. he didn't leave and continue. He was kind of on the fence. But he did eventually. Well, his father died. But not, but we said it wasn't a physical death. Well, whatever it was, eventually it overcame the yeah. cultural power or you know pressure to stay okay. and take care of his dad. Well, and we Abraham is perhaps one of the most well-known, well-respected people of all of history. Right? Yeah, everyone does. Jews <laughs> like Christians, everyone, the world, I mean. Um, and, you know, we call him the father of faith, the father of the faith, or whatever the phrase is, um, because of that. But um, with that being said, here's a guy who looks back to his past and can say, you know what, here's a period where I settled. I failed, if you will. I didn't follow the the call, but he didn't fail like permanently. You know, like I don't think any of us really have to fail permanently. We could have a failing grade, but we don't have to fail permanently because faith is, the faith walk is it's growing. You know, we move along, we fail, we stumble, we stall. You know, and then we shake it off, we get back up, and we go, and it's just part of the growing process. And we learn obedience, and and so here's our friend uh, Abram. Messes up, it seems, stalls, God does a growing work in him, he gets up and he moves forward, and it says, now the Lord said, and it always begins that way, it's God doing a work, it's God calling, and then us responding, and again, why would God call a guy like Abram? Because he's the father of the faith, he wasn't then, (laughs) you know, because he's this great guy or whatever, he wasn't then, he was a polytheist. Say it again. The Lord had that He's a liar. He, like later on we know? Yeah, well, that's still in there, so that'll come out. But Abram is called by God's grace. We see in the New Testament he's saved by God's grace as a result of his faith, not of his works. And that's the way it works. God does a calling work. So if, you, if I were praying for my friends to get saved, I would pray that God would open up their heart to believe. God, do a work, and don't leave them... Lord, in complacency or just sort of contentedness of life, keep working, Lord, keep working, bring them to yourself. I remember God can save a polytheist. Hmm? I I have a question. So do you think, because I think this may be, well, do you think that, um, like, if it doesn't take, you know, the first time around, you can be caught, like Charles Stanley always says, you know, God's always knocking. He's always knocking. You can ignore it. You can not. But is it possible 
that somebody could be being called and not hear it, not get it. Hmm. So there's the moment, there's because the because they're not in a place to <coughs> step into that. I I think so, that's what I think. I think that's what happened to me. So, but that you can be called but not hear it. Yeah, I think God wanted me where I was, and then I just was like, okay, I don't really know what to do, and I you know like I just okay. life was really good. Like I had no problems. Yeah. And it wasn't <laughs> until I started really having problems that I started because my attention. particular issue is he is teaching me to not be independent, like to depend on him and to trust him. And I didn't need, I could always take care of myself. And now, okay. I and now I'm here. So you had your hand up, I think? Yes. You want to um, respond to her question? Or her statement? Just yeah, from my own experience. I mean, what do you got? You ever hear Phil Driscoll? He used to play with Blood, Sweat, and Tears, trumpet player. He's a Christian. He's, He's my favorite trumpet player. <laughs> Fantastic. Okay. So I was 17 or 18, and my band director took me to see him, and I remember, quote, you know, accepting the call, but I don't think I did. Oh, he, he's a Christian? Who yeah, he, the did, yeah he shared the gospel. He, what's that? He did an altar call at the concert? Yeah, he's, a, he's an evangelist. So, oh, um, it was a Blood, Sweat, and Tears concert? No, no, it was, oh, it was, just, like, it was Phil Driscoll, okay. his band, and he's, gotcha. he's preaching and playing and screaming mm -hmm. high notes, and then sharing the gospel. So he gave the gospel you think Yeah, I, I, I was like crying and stuff, but like it didn't it didn't, I didn't really get it. Okay. So like from my perspective I certainly wasn't ready. I think from God's I mean I was called obviously because I'm here but I think like when you throw time into the mix that's like our problem where with God like if he called you, he called you. And the time thing's somewhat irrelevant. Quantum physics. I know. You always, always yeah. Uh oh, Jay has an idea. <laughs> I've been born over. So, okay. So here's here's my here's my take on the whole Terra Abraham thing. I'm thinking that Abraham was not born first. Of the children. Yeah, yeah. Of the oh, children. but but he was born after Terra. Yes, he his was dad. Okay, <laughs> all right. Yeah. I was like, "What are you?" But, but it says, "Terra, verse twenty-six, uh, verse ten, uh, verse eleven. It says, or chapter eleven, verse twenty-six. It says, and Terra lived seventy years and begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran." Yes. Okay. Okay. Is it possible that he's just doing one of those things? Hey, I'm going to label these people because I want to talk about Haran because he does. And he says, "Now these are the generations of Terra. Terra begat Abraham, Nahor, and Haran, and Haran begot Lot." Okay. Okay, so we, and then Haran died before his father in Terah in the land of his nativity, or the Chaldees. Okay, so now he's got this deal, right? So Abraham receives this call, and he's just like, hey, Dad, I'm taking off. And he's just like, but I'm really old, and now I got Lot, my grandson. He says, well, how about we take off and go to Haran, which obviously, in my opinion, was probably established by Haran. Around. Just calling that a possibility. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Long and convoluted, but I'm going to get there. Um, all right. So, so what I'm suspecting is that if if Abraham was the youngest, I'm just saying, and I have no proof of that, he he would have been significantly younger on the timeline. I'm working on it. All right. Well, I've got peace. <laughs> Crazy stuff. Um, because we, we don't have the other guys up there. No, he wouldn't be younger. He wouldn't be younger than... Yeah. Because I put 70 as the latest possible that he could have been born. So even if he was the last kid born at 70, that would put him at 1948. No, no, no. No, okay. Bob was weighing in. The good folks at Zondervan have an <laughs> opinion similar to Jay's in that they say that since... I'm saying it was the start. He started having those kids I, I, at exactly. And they are saying... Uh, King James, it looks that way. As much as 60 years later. That's what I'm reading. I see what you're saying. I'm sorry. And son. And son had... And right. They and didn't son. talk about Abraham. Abraham. Okay, so what Jay and Josh, maybe you just said too, Bob, is... Not that by the time he was 70, he had three kids, but when he was 70, he yeah, began having kids. kids. Right. Mm -hmm. 
So he could have been born a bunch of later. Very good. Make him older. Okay, now I'm down with you. Okay, Okay, so all that shit. And and my my whole thought about them moving to Haran is I was also thinking about that verse where Jesus talks about like the dead bury their own dead. And a lot of people expand on that saying he wasn't, his dad wasn't like dead. He was just old in age, and he was saying, oh, "I'm going to wait, wait until my dad's passed, sure, and sure. then I'll go follow you." Right? Okay. Um, and so I was using that. So maybe he was just caring for, you know, Tara wanted to go to Haran, so that Lot would have his family. Oh wow, Jay, that's yeah, interesting. Take that naysayers. Yeah, that's very interesting. <laughs> okay, now. So it has nothing to do with your examples, yeah, though. I dig. I'm just saying. <laughs> so I had a. Yeah. I, had a I worked really to, hard. On yeah, that. back to um, Suzanne's <laughs> statement about the call. So, theologically, we know that God will not lose any that He's called. Now, can you resist it? I am. A, I'm an example of that. I can. I resisted the gospel many times, especially right towards the end. I kept hearing the Holy Spirit saying, what this person is saying is true, and I kept saying, rah, 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 you know, until God finally changed my heart and made me understand that it was the, mm-hmm. it was the truth. But we have Jesus' own words in John chapter, John chapter 17. Um, he says, he's given me. I have lost none of these which you have given me. Mm-hmm. And then another place he says, no one can snatch them out of my hand, which means you can't snatch yourself out of his hand. Right. And then finally Philippians says, he who began a good work in you will be faithfully completed. So there's a theological basis that if God has his sights on you, mm-hmm. if he's chosen you, I, it was funny because I was thinking, is Will teach you tonight? We'll have another predestination talk. Um, <laughs> if, he's, if he's locked on you and you're his, there's no way you're going to get around it. Now, no can escape. you resist? There's no escape. Yeah. You can run around, yeah. but there's no escape. But it's like Can't a GPS. Yes. Right. And it'll make your life miserable. Yeah. My, so life, my life wasn't miserable. That's the problem. I didn't start paying attention <laughs> right. until my life started right. getting So miserable. is that the term in, that Cal- Calvin had of irresistible grace yeah. in the tulip? Yes. Everybody familiar with tulip? The five kind of key ideas of Calvin one begins with a T, one begins with a U, one begins with an L. The I is irresistible grace that those that are his yeah. they're going to be his eventually you know, you can keep running but. and on a related thing, I, I mean when I got saved, you know and then you know started growing and whatnot, I remember it was shocking to hear people pray for their relatives and their kids and pray things like now this is to me coming into the church where everything's supposed to be nice, hear them pray something like, God, do whatever it takes. <laughs> Knock all the, you know, supports out from under... I'm like, holy cow! Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, and that's your parent for paying for your kid, you know? Yeah, yeah. But that's theologically a way, I, I think, a correct way to pray. I mean, you, you cover it saying, if you, ha- you know, unless you have to do it mm-hmm. this way, but do it. Because mm-hmm. the most important thing is they get saved. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not that they, yeah. you know, have a nice time getting saved. Right. Well, and the weird thing is that I didn't realize until recently that that I was, in fact, tech, like, because everybody's got, like, oh, I know the date and the time where I was when I got, you know, but I, I realized that it was, you know, Mike and Pam Rosell, they were at Calvary Philly, and I, I went, and, um, you know, I went with a friend, because I was, um, I, you know, I'm sorry, but anyway. He said, you, got, oh, you should check this church out. It's like kind of what you're looking into and stuff. And so I went, and I look back now, and it's like, oh, I technically, technically, I answered the call in my heart, and then I started to come to Calvary Mercer, but I, I, I was getting pulled. I was getting pulled back into the world, and I just didn't, I wasn't equipped. I wasn't equipped. So, um, to resist it. And so I just, you know, went back into my regular life. And, but four years ago, when everything hit the fan, I literally went home and, and the Lord was like, open the Bible. I, my dining room became my study. And I just started reading the Bible and studying. No clue why that happened other than Jesus. I mean, I, that was not an idea that I had. So I don't really... Have like a, I don't know when technically sure. I was saved, sure. but the bottom line is the last four years are what count for me. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. 
Yes. A Calvinist would say you always were. All right, now, the verse continues, it says, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house, and I think it was uh, Felicia that pointed out, you know, following the call of God will inevitably mean that some things have to be left behind. Um, in some cases, you know, Jesus used the example of this idea of kind of hate your father and your mother. Um, or, you know, some of the other things that, that Jay was even just referencing a moment ago. Some family relationships may need to be broken. Mm -hmm. More than likely, um, many of your peer relationships may perhaps need to be broken and come to an end um, if you're going to follow that call. And so we have him doing that. His, his dad had settled, at the very least, um, would he? And, uh, you know, I think an example there, if indeed his dad did get the call... You know, here you are with your group of buddies. You're all taking this journey together. Mm. And these two guys decide, you know what, I've gone far enough in the journey. Mm. Um, will you? Are you going to stop there? Or will you continue to go on? It kind of reminds me of uh, Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah. You know, and that guy just kept on going. If you ever read Pilgrim's Progress, they have mm. it in, like, children's English. Read that, <laughs> you know, or whatever. I really think it's worth a read. I really do. Is it, didn't uh, they make a film out of it? Not like a cartoon film they made. No, I thought that there's like, isn't there like a John Hagee thing? Maybe, I don't know. Um, but I do know oh, they made like a kid's version of it, so, but I'm not sure. But anyway, read the book. It's worth your, it's a classic. Mm -hmm. It's a good thing. You'll be smarter when you're done. All right. Uh, and we sing a song of baptism. So now you'll That's right. That's a good song to sing. Well, uh, if looking again at verses 1 through 3, notice how many times the phrase, I will, mm. is used there. Contrast mm. that with uh, the building of the uh, Tower of Babel, mm. you know, where man was basically saying, no, God, I'm going to do. Mm. But here you have five times the phrase, I will, uh, and then all of these promises. And again, these are God's promises to fulfill. They're not things that Abraham has to fulfill. He doesn't have to build a nation for himself and all of that. His job is simply to respond in obedience. And God says, you know what, I want you to get up and start walking. I'm going to show you. Uh, which also speaks to us of this. Uh, God doesn't say, hey, here's the plan I have for your life. Yeah. It's all mapped out. Check it out over here. You know, 30 years from now, it's going to be awesome. And he doesn't lay it all out for us to approve it. Or to say, all right, that seems, all right that'll work. I could do with that. You know, maybe we'll change this up over here. But he says, ultimately, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to bring you to heaven. And it's going to be a journey to get there. You in? To need like, to know That's basis. it? Yeah, that's right. Um, but we have to move forward in faith. Uh, and Hebrews 11.8 says this about Abraham. It says, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he was going. And that's what you're going to do as well. So if I take that stand... For Jesus in this particular place, the work environment or a school or something like that. If I take this this stand, mm -hmm. will everything work out for me? Might, might not. You might get not fired. Not so much. <laughs> you know, you know I, I can't. I can't tell you what's going to happen. The Lord could if He wanted to, but He's not going to. Mm -hmm. um, and Abraham, he he obeyed, not exactly knowing what was going to go on. Promise, uh, one of the promises, God says, I'll make a great nation of you. That's quite a promise because Abraham's 75 years old and he has no kids. And his wife's barren. And she's barren. No. She's not me. <laughs> <laughs> now again, 75 years old, he was only 33, you know, our standards. But nonetheless, his wife is uh, without child. Um, so God's making quite an audacious claim here. Verse 2, he says, I'll make of you a great nation and I will bless you and I will make your name great so that you will be a blessing. So there's kind of three statements in there. This is the beginning of the Abrahamic covenant. Uh, it's repeated one, two, three, four, four or five different times in the book of Genesis, each time stated and sort of a little bit enlarged uh, each time. Um, so you can look at them if uh, nobody's writing it down, but we'll get to them in chapters 13, 15, 17, and 22. Um, but we do know now that each one of these promises have been fulfilled and I think will continue to be fulfilled. Number one, the Jewish people would become a great nation. Uh, ultimately, I think that will be fulfilled uh, in the uh, millennial age. Uh, secondly, Abraham is one of the great men of all of history. 
Um, I'll bless you and make your name great. And through Abraham's offspring, all the nations of the earth are blessed. Now, ultimately, who did Christ that? Jesus. Jesus. Yeah, Sunday school. All right, that was Jesus. So each one of those are fulfilled, and God did it. And then he says in verse 3, verse somebody should read to our political leaders, mm-hmm. I will bless those that bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth will be blessed. And so the note I jotted down was, choose wisely how you deal with the nation of Israel and the Jewish people. Um, so, All right, any thoughts on verses 1 through 3? Good stuff. Okay, all right. All right, verse 4. So Abram went. Now that should be said of your life. God called, and Abram went. Or maybe they'll put your name in there instead. It says, Abram went as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran, and he took Sarah, his wife, and Lot, his brother's son, and all of their possessions that they had acquired, or excuse me, gathered, and the people that they had acquired in Haran, and they set out to go to the land of Canaan. That's a 400-mile journey um, from Haran to the land of Canaan. Um, And this will be the last time that the Lord speaks with Abram until he gets there. At least that's recorded um, for us. And for me, 400 miles, I want frequent updates. Keep going, you're on the right path, and everything's going well. But the life of, the life of faith is to go forward in obedience until he calls you again and speaks to you again. And he does that. Now, it does say Lot went with him. Now, Lot could have stayed back with his family Haran, right, if, if indeed that was his family there. But Lot went forth. Um, we know that Lot was what? A righteous man. A righteous man. He does cause some problems for Abram again and again and again. But the Bible does say that Lot was right. His righteous soul was vexed, it says. Oh, wait, King James. Um, you know, by the, the state of things uh, in where he was living. And so... Uh, he goes too. He could have stayed back, hung out with his grandpa or whatever, but he goes forward. Um, and this call of faith. Um, so that's good, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So you said God didn't give him a plan, but he must have at least told him to go southwest. Well, he does say to Canaan, right? Does he? Uh, well, it says Abram set out for a land of Canaan, but it didn't say, it says God says go to the house oh, yeah. land that will show you. Yeah, he said just go. And yeah. Yeah. He must have said. Because you said he's 400 miles. That's what? How many months is that? Yeah, exactly. I don't know how much of walking. It's a lot, you know. <laughs> many months. It's a lot. Uh, yeah. He had to, I mean, I don't think he just sort of wandered aimlessly. I mean, he, he had to have an idea. Of where he was going. We'll go that way. Do you think he was walking and listening to God as he was walking? <coughs> Probably, like you do and I do. Yeah. You know, you know you. That he was being attentive. I would way. hope so. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, so here he is, seventy-five years old. I jotted down a note. It's never too late to start. Walking with the Lord or obeying the Lord, you know. So, so if you think it is for you, you're wrong. I don't think anyone here is 75, right? Right. Is Rod 75? Yeah, 75, right? Your wife looked at you. I'm still in my 60s by the skin of my teeth. All right. Very good. Now, notice the phrase there. It says, all the possessions that they had gathered and the people that they had acquired. Two things I want to point out. One, it takes time to gather a lot of possessions and people. So these guys weren't in Haran for a week. They were there for a period of time. Um, their walk, uh, if you will, had stalled a little bit. Uh, and, you know, the way the world is, uh, it's like those uh, um, escalators, but the walkways, motorized walkways or whatever. Yeah, if you get on one, go in the opposite direction, and you just stand still, you're moving back. You know, in our walks with the Lord, you know, we just sort of stop and stand still. We're not moving forward. We're going the way of the world. We're, we're moving back. And 
And so uh, you have that example here um, for Abraham. Um, but nothing prevents you from getting back up and starting to walk again. Not even time. It's Well, it's been 10 years. Yeah. All right, so what? Get up now and go. You need to be further along than if you don't get up and go. And so Abraham does that. Now, the second thing it says that Abraham acquired and the people that they had acquired. So does Abraham have slaves? Yes. That's a bad thing, isn't it? Don't we don't like slavery, I thought. Rich people did. Okay. But that doesn't make it any better, does it? You know? <laughs> were some of them were like, servants? Uh... Servants, slaves... Same terms, essentially. Mm. Not in America, I know, but back then. Well, I mean, there's a difference between servants and slaves, though. I okay, what's what's the difference in the Bible? Well, ser- slaves are, I don't know how the Bible would define the difference, but but servants are someone to, who you hire to to do your household chores and... and um, Slaves are people from conquered nations. Uh, okay, that is a an understanding of slavery. You see some of that in the Bible, but that's not the only way people became slaves in the Bible. Because of debt? Yeah. So that's what we're looking at here. Okay. So our vision, our understanding of slavery, many of us, is this idea of you know, the armies came in, they conquered, they took everybody away, slaves. Or we think of chattel slavery, like here in the United States, where people are captured and sold, and, and you know, they're there for life or whatever. The example they have in the Bible is a person owes a debt or whatever. We have, not yet, but later on we're going to have examples of, like, rules, if you will, for that. So it's a different kind of slavery. It is more like a servitude, maybe, if you want to compare it to America, indentured servitude. You can think of it that way. Um, So that's uh, what's going on there. Uh, It says, and then he settled. Did you change my channel, buddy? It went off. I'm sorry, it keeps going off. But we want to show you the rest. (laughs) Let's see. Did we get it? All right, should be up there now. Okay. So we saw this picture. So that is where they roughly were when they went to Haran. This is the rest of the way, and they're going to follow that way. You notice they're what would later go on to become Damascus and Sidon. And I, I just circled Jerusalem down there by the Dead Sea. That's roughly the area that they're going to go. Okay? So you have a picture of that. Then it says in verse 5 and following, it says, When they came to the land of Canaan, Abram passed through the land to the place at Shechem, to the oak at uh, Morah. At that time, the Canaanites were in the land. So you can see on your little map, obviously none of those cities would have been there, but it's pointing out the area of Shechem, uh, and that is about halfway between the Galilee and the Dead Sea, almost dead center in what will become Israel. Um, And and as it says there, when they came to the land of Canaan, interesting, uh, chapter 11, verse 31, same call, if you will, that uh, that Terah had, and here now Abraham kind of takes up that call uh, and goes to Canaan land. In the Bible, the Canaan land um, is essentially the promised land. You know, a lot of times we we have like hymns and songs, and it talks about you know crossing over the Jordan and and entering to Canaan land or whatever. And the picture is the Jordan is death, and Canaan is like heaven. Um, it's probably not a good picture. Particularly if you look at the book of Joshua, when they cross into the promised land, it's not very heavenly. You know, there's wars and there's fighting and there's failure and and all of that stuff. I think a better picture is that the promised land for us is sort of walking in the victory of Christ. That What God has for us. There's battles, there's struggles, there's ups, there's downs. um, But we possess that which he has us to possess, and that is the victorious Christian life. Um, And Jay, no thought on that? Okay. You went like this, and no, no. okay. So, <laughs> I like the, um, Alan Redpath's book. Who? Alan Redpath's book. What's the victorious Christian life? Uh, it's a wonderful book. Great book. Yeah, that's uh, Alan Redpath has a commentary on the book of Joshua. Um, in, in light of that, yes, so. I think it's called uh, Victorious Christian Living. Uh, maybe I'm not like sure exactly. Maybe you're right. So anyway, it's great, wonderful book. It's not a commentary like most commentaries. We should get a bookstore. 
We buy a lot of books at the bookstore that nobody buys. So we got 500 of them. But anyway, it's wonderful. Uh, and it's not like a normal commentary. It's basically 24 sermons that he wrote. And so each one kind of stands alone and you can just read and meditate on it. It's really good. Uh, I think you would like it. Alan Redcap? Oh, sure. He's very, very good. Yeah. All right, verse 7. Then the Lord appeared to Abram and he said, To your offspring I will give this land. And so he built there an altar to the Lord who had appeared to him. First thing, it says, then the Lord appeared to Abram. These are the first recorded words from since verses 1 through 3, when he was called. Um, so again, he had to go forward in faith, keep mo- moving forward in faith. Now God confirms that calling. He kind of refines that calling. Uh, which is really cool. I'm sure many of you have experienced that as well. He says, to your offspring I will give this land. Now Abram, I've read ahead, never actually owned any of this land except for a burial plot. Mm -hmm. It's all he ever owned in this land. Um, Yet, he... What? It took 400 years before... For the rest of the family to own the land, Yeah. yeah. But Abraham held on to this promise for a hundred years and never actually saw the fulfillment of this promise in his life, but he continued to believe. And, but, and again, notice though, so you said, well, the promise didn't come true. The promise was that you're off, to your offspring I will give this land. And, you know, some of us might look at that and we're like, well, that stinks. Forget it. What do I, I'm not going to waste my life for that. I could be rich in Haran. I could be rich in Ur. Why would I want to go live in tents and I get no benefit from it? Because he went forward in faith. Um, now, who's Abraham's offspring? Lot. Well, Lot is his nephew, so that wouldn't be his offspring. So, okay, so we're reading ahead. We didn't talk about this today, so just guess anything you want. All right, so we know Ishmael. That's his firstborn. Who's his mom? A later named a lady named Hagar. Then Isaac. Somebody said, and his mom is Sarah. Sarah. Anybody else? And then the rest of Keturah. Yeah, there was a... Yes. When Sarah dies, Abram gets married again to a lady named Keturah, and she has six boys, maybe some girls too. So Abraham's kids are Isaac, Ishmael, Zimran, Jokshan, Medan, Midian, Ishbak, and Shua, who are the sons of Keturah. So my question is, who is this promise that says, and to your offspring I will give this land, who is the promise made to? Mm. Sir? <laughs> Isaac. Based on what? Uh. Purple. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Yeah. I think it's a two-part answer. Okay, I'm ready. But I'll let While he's, do you want to keep looking? Yeah, yeah. talk well, amongst yourselves. God said him and Sarah. God said him and Sarah? In what we've read, or later on? Later on. Uh, imagine later on. Okay. <laughs> okay, so if it's him and Sarah, then the promise then is to Isaac. Yeah. To Isaac. Okay. Because ultimately he comes to the, the three visitors, right? Mm. They come and speak to Abraham. And What's that, like, chapter 18? This time year. Yeah, just before the destruction. Okay, yeah, so in chapter 18, it's... Narrowed down from these whatever eight kids to one of those kids because it says to um, Abraham and Sarah their son who is Isaac. You and said you want to talk about two parts. Well, he negatively said, he negatively said, "I will make Ishmael into a nation, but he shall not inherit." So That's right, is, yeah. and that is chapter seventeen, I think. Right. Yeah. Um, so he be blessed because of Abraham was his father, but he's not going to be part of the. Yes, yeah, so I said a two part. There's there's two aspects to it. Mm-hmm. Children of the promise are the Israelites by bloodline, mm-hmm. but it's the true Israel by spiritual speaking. Okay. Right? So we, in a sense, will inherit the promised land, heaven. Okay. Certainly we are blessed. By All the nations are blessed because of him, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. Genesis 22. <laughs> just got there. Sir, do you want to read yours? <laughs> Well, let me read this. Uh, Ruth was referencing. It says in 1721, it says, But I will establish my covenant with Isaac, 
whom Sarah shall bear to you at this time next year. Is that what? Is that it? I'm and sorry, I was, buddy. I didn't mean to take it. I was it. taking too long, man. You got it. <laughs> okay, now Isaac, he has two kids, right? Jacob and Esau. All right, so who does it go to? Well, we know in Genesis 25 and chapter 27, Esau's the firstborn, so it should go to him, but he sells his birthright for a bowl of soup, essentially, to his brother Jacob, okay? And it says this in chapter 35 about Jacob. It says, the land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, and will give the land to your offspring after you. And Jacob is the one who would have the 12 tribes, um, the 12 tribes of Israel. So who's the offspring that this land is promised to? It's Israel. All righty? Yes. Okay. So, oh my gosh. How is it Israel? Huh? How is it Israel? Yeah. I'm sorry? How, how, how did you come that it was to Israel? Because it says... The land that I gave to Abraham and Isaac, I will give to you, Jacob. Jacob, yes. And I will give the land to your offspring after you. Right. Until he comes back. But Jacob was renamed Israel. Okay, very good. That was all I was trying to That's good, that's good. (laughs) Okay. All right. So, gee, Willikers, friends. So just to take one step, tiny step back. Okay. That's right. Esau, Esau sold his birthright, but Romans tells us, Jacob I have loved and Esau I have hated so that God's purpose and election might stand. So that even when they were in the womb, they were fighting, but God had already chosen it's going to Jacob. Mm-hmm. But the circumstances worked themselves out Yeah. so that legally... Very good. He sold the birthright for a pot of porridge, I think is the wording. Yeah, that's all. Didn't even have meat in it. That's right. What a fool. All right, so we're going to... Uh, we'll stop there. We have to. <laughs> can't stay here all night. Although, we only got a little more. We, we can go up to verse 10, can't we? Yes. Yes. All right. So he built an altar, it says, to the Lord there. What you're going to notice in Abram's life, throughout the rest of his life, he's building altars and he's pitching tents. All right. He's building altars. Building is the idea of permanency. Mm-hmm. Pitching a tent is the idea of temporary. Um Tents are the homes of those that are just passing through. Abram sees uh, his worship as permanent, his home as temporary. That speaks of his priorities. Are your priorities right? It says this in Hebrews 11. That's your application question. Hebrews 11 says this. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise, for he was looking forward to the city that has his foundations, whose designer and builder is God. If you want to be a guy that lives in this world temporary, you have to fix your eyes on heaven. Abram wasn't distracted by this temporal world. Instead, he kept himself focused on the eternal. That's exactly what we're called to be in the New Testament. First Peter, it says, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from passions of the flesh. The idea is fix your eyes on heaven as a pilgrim, as a sojourner, and don't be distracted by the temporal world. Alrighty. And this so. body is considered a tent. That's right. Absolutely. So even though he didn't own any land, he put up a lot of uh, altars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, somebody said this, which I thought was profound. Actually, I kind of reworded it, so I didn't think it was that profound. I <laughs> but he now said, now it is. It, too many Christians settle for tents in heaven to acquire mansions here on the earth. You can chew on that as you drive home. Uh, And we'll just finish reading verses 8 and following. From there he moved to the hill country on the east of Bethel, and he pitched his tent with Bethel on the west and Ai on the east. And there he built an altar to the Lord, and he called upon the name of the Lord. And Abram journeyed on still, going toward the Negev. And that's the Negev. It's not listed, but that's... Basically, today it's it's pronounced Negev with a V at the end, not a B, but it's the same area, and it's basically the desert area of southern Israel. Um, and he begin he journeys on down toward there. Egypt is down that way as well, which comes into play in the next account here. Alrighty, but notice Abraham settled. He builds this altar between Bethel on one side and Ai on the other. 
Bethel means the house of God. Ai means what's it mean, big guy? No idea. Look it up. In your, I think it means like heap, like trash, garbage, something like that. Is that right? Uh, ruins. Yeah. Ruins. Ruin so you have sort of the house of God, Bethel, and you have trash, ruins on the other side. And, and really, isn't that what our lives is? You know, on one side and on the other. And we're in the middle there just trying to worship the Lord and, and uh, choose wisely. So that's the closest, Bethel's the closest we got to Jerusalem. Yeah, pretty right. close. I like having the maps. Thank you for... And it's wonderful, yeah. Oh, look yeah, at Negev. It got messed up. Sorry. <laughs> I did that. All right. Negev. <laughs> that is the first ten verses of chapter 12. What a wonderful chapter. This chapter talked about in the rest of the Bible, like here and there and, and so on. So it's, a, it's an important chapter for you to become familiar with. Um, I tuck it into the back of your mind, and then when you're studying on your own or something, mm-hmm. in the New Testament, you come across, you're like, I remember that. It's chapter 12. Mm-hmm. All right, Abram's call. All right, let's pray. Sorry, Jay, no song. You practiced another song. I feel bad. Father, thank you for uh, our discussion tonight. Lord, and we thank you for uh, Abram responding in faith and, Lord, an example to us. And, and Lord, we acknowledge we don't know every single part of it, did Tara get called also and and just sort of uh, abandon the call? Um, but certainly there's a lot of things in, in, that we can learn and we can compare with our own lives. And Lord, we know the tendency, Lord, uh, to partially obey, to, to go so far, to settle. And Lord, you are gracious and merciful. You keep calling us, Lord, drawing us. And Lord, we want to be people that just keep stepping out in faith and keep walking in obedience and and even not having all the answers, trusting, Lord, in the one that has called us. And, Lord, I believe uh, that's you bless that. And so, Lord, uh, I'm a little nervous to say this, but stretch our faith, Lord, and give us a heart to obey. We pray in your name. Amen. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the Sermon Podcast of Calvary Chapel of Mercer County. If you would like more information about the church, its ministries, its worship services, or its small groups, please visit ccmercer.com or download the church app to your phone.